for getting commissioned. My name's Donna Tabra. Have you had a fantastic day so far? Yeah. yeah? Good. Can, can I just get an idea of who's in the room so we know how to pitch this? Who's already working in telly? Fantastic. Who wants to work in telly? Oh, you too. And who out there thinks they've got an idea that should be on telly? But who's too terrified to pitch it? Oh, okay. Right, brilliant. That's just so we can get an idea, because obviously getting commissioned is really, really difficult, and we're probably not going to crack it in an hour, but we'll try and give you uh, some of those key insights. So first of all, if I can introduce the panel, I have Sean Parry here, who's Creative Director Entertainment at Electric Ray, where he's responsible for programmes such as Carjackers and Parenting idiots. He's also worked at Endemol, where he's worked at Pointless. Uh, but he says his proudest moment is creating the cat task for George Galloway on Big Brother. So just get the level. We're getting the level here. Okay. Hi, Brav. <laughs> Broadsheet, that one. <laughs> uh, then we have Claudia Lewis, who's head of de uh, development at uh, BBC Studios Science. BBC is going through huge change now, and Claudia's part of that change. She's also worked at uh, Talkback Thames, where she was part of the team for getting commissioned Channel 4's Four Rooms. Uh, she's also been behind uh, programmes such as City in the Skies, and we'll talk about that later. Dom Bird, who is head of formats at Channel 4, so it's probably across a lot of the uh, content and programmes you watch on C4, Channel 4, uh, Made in Chelsea, Tattoo Fixers, so key brands like that. And then we have Emma Westcott, who's a commissioning editor at Channel 5 Factual, uh, and she looks after one of their uh, fantastic massive hits, GP Behind Closed Doors, and she's going <coughs> to talk us through how that was commissioned. She was also uh, a formerly a commissioner at Channel 4 in Features, where she was behind some of the really key shows there, um, like You Are What You Eat, Ten Years Younger, Super Nanny and Grand Designs. So we really do have four TV gods here who've uh, given up their Sunday to uh, come and talk to you. Um, I've also been told by BAFTA that keep um, mentioning us on the social media. You've got all the handles up there because we are trending. I think it might just be across London, but we are trending. <laughs> so just keep that up. Tell us what you're liking and what your highlights are. So first of all, I'm going to go down the line. Sean, what's the commission you've been involved with that you're most proud of and why? Um, I probably should say pointless because it's one of the most successful shows um, I've ever been involved with. But the commission I'm probably most proud of was a show when I first started at BBC in development, it was the first idea I pitched, and it was a show called People vs. Animals. And um, it was ridiculous. And it subsequently got made elsewhere, but kind of it was the first thing that I'd got away. And it was a, and it was a, a sort of pilot commission. Um, but I think, and, and sort of all my friends and, all, and my family were like, oh, they were really excited for me. And it was the thing that gave me the bug about telly as well. Sort of like that first commission, you sort of just go, this is what it's about. It's, it's that feeling of getting an idea you know, through that stage and starting making something is just incredible. So I think that's the sort of proudest one for me. That fantastic up feeling. And Claudia, what was yours? I think mine was probably something that got commissioned a couple of years ago at the BBC for BBC One, which was a three-part series called How to Stay Young. It was a really hard commission to get because the whole subject area of ageing and the science of ageing was, was an area that was really well-trodden. So it was very hard to get it commissioned. It got commissioned, it went out, and then it got turned into a format, which is going to go out later on this year. So obviously the holy grail of getting an idea away is when that idea actually becomes something that will be a format and will return and can run and run. So I was really proud of that. Um, and so I'm approaching from, from sort of the other side of the table, so in terms of things that I've commissioned, uh, there's, there's two that I would flag. One is, I think, um, Tattoo Fixers has been a brilliant, brilliant show for E4. Um, and the reason I'm, from a channel perspective, quite proud of that is that it, was, it felt like a very strategic play for us, which is which digital channels need really high volume of programs that you can, you can uh, repeat and that are returnable and they can play in different parts of the schedule. And we were determined to, to find a show like that, which also dovetailed around the time where uh, tattoos were sort of on the, on the sort of the, the, down the high street, everywhere you went, you saw everybody with tattoos. And it was one of those moments in, in time where it just sort of two things sort of came together and it, it, it seemed like a smart thing to do. Like, like anything you commission, 
you don't know things are going to be a hit. You don't know whether people are going to like them. Um, and obviously, we were delighted to see that it was within the first series, it was doing sort of a million, over a million on the on overnights. Um, and it makes a huge difference. A, a, a commission like that makes a huge difference to a digital channel. So that was a that was a big show for us. Brilliant. Thanks, Tom. And Emma, out of all the shows you've been involved with, what's your proudest moment? Um, I think, like Don says, I think as commissioner, you your sort of holy grail is something that is reputational um, and you can feel very proud of, but also gets bums on seats. So I've had a lot of shows which I'm so proud and brilliant, but no fuckers watched them. So, you know, <laughs> that's not great. So probably the best one recently for me has been GPs Behind Closed Doors because, you know, it's not a particularly original idea, but the timing of that, and uh, we've got a clip that we'll show you later of what I was pitched, it was the most um, straightforward commission I've ever had in 20 years of commissioning because the company had gone out of their own, own way, they had shot their own little tape, they'd had an AP down there, and you just got the programme straight away, and you, um, and because nobody else was doing it across the channel, the timing, it was the timing of that one, an opportunity as much as anything, so that's probably in recent kind of history the best. Brilliant, that's a great example. And we will see some of these taste tapes uh, later on in the session, so we'll sort of see some of those secrets. But we're going to go through the process of getting an idea commissioned, and obviously the first stage is <coughs> development. So I want to talk to Cla Claudia and Sean about development. How do you run it in-house at the BBC and at, at your independent companies? How do you run development? Who gets involved? Um, <clears throat> well, everyone gets involved. Well, all, everyone in the development team gets involved and the MDs get involved. I think at Electric Ray, we're quite a senior development team, so we generally start with an idea, um, which I think is the most, is the best way to start, certainly for us. I think when you're researchers and APs, you might be you know, doing all that brainstorming, those sort of techniques. Do you believe in playing games and brainstorming? And yeah, I think it, certainly earlier in your career, I think it's really useful. And we do we do, do that sometimes. It's, we just don't do it regularly. I think the way we develop is we do... Um, a big stint of development which generates loads of ideas and then we sort of work them up and start taking them out and we sort of make that a cycle. But, the, but the, I think generally the ideas that are the strongest ideas on our slate and the ones we take out are the ideas that people have and then we develop up. Because I think the ideas that people have away from a brainstorm are the ones that kind of, they're the ones they're the most passionate about because they're the ones you come in the next day or you text over the weekend and you go, there's absolutely something in this and I'm really excited about this. And you can just feel that, and I think, you know, and commissioners can feel that in a room and there's an idea pitched with passion and love. And I think those, that's the way um, we at least start that process, I think, at Electric Ray. And where might some of those ideas come from? Is it newspapers? Is it friends on buses? It's, I mean, yeah, newspapers, are, you know, sort of like your, your usual sources, you know, watching TV, watching films, newspapers, <coughs> all those sort of things. But I think... It's really hard to sort of nail down what that alchemy is to sort of and <clears throat> to try and get to that point again because actually you know the best thing you can do is work out exactly how you have ideas then recreate that condition again and try and have that idea but it just doesn't work that way they sort of you know they come to you when, uh, certainly speaking for me and um, you know personally ideas just come to me whenever you know 99 percent of the time they're crap is, is the thing you should say about ideas. It's sort of like most of them are crap and you never even say them out loud. But when you've got one that you know and love, then you talk about it. Whereas our head of development, she is more of a newspaper scarer and she's absolutely brilliant and she'll sort of like come in and there'll be more of a factual basis to that idea and there'll be a why for it happening. Whereas mine sort of got plucked out my ass really and they're just sort of like <laughs> ra random things which we then subsequently try and justify. <coughs> um, but I think I much prefer coming to it from an idea rather than just a subject, as we were talking before, kind of those subject areas, and you sort of go, hot air ballooning big at the moment. What can we do around that? And it just sort of feels like you're scrabbling for something there rather than there's anything really sort of, uh, there's something to grab hold of in that idea in the first place. And Claudia, how do you run your teams? So we, I think we, uh, we play out in quite a similar way to you, Sean. We have regular weekly brainstorms. We tend to um, centre our brainstorms around what we know the channels are looking for at that particular time. So they will have certain needs, certain commissioners will have certain needs 
around certain slot times. So Channel 4 might be looking for an 8 o'clock feature show. BBC Two might be looking for a big 9 o'clock big science landmark. And so I think in development, if you just start too broadly, just to come up with ideas, it can be difficult. It, it tends to help our team if we're more focused with the slot and the, and the subject area that we're looking for. I would actually disagree that 99% of ideas are shit. I would say that 99%... Mine. My idea. I'd agree with him on that. I would say that 99% of ideas are just average. They're just okay. And I think that's a really easy temptation to fall into when it goes to going to pitch to the channels, that you take a list of ideas that are basically fine. They're not terrible. They're not brilliant. They're just sort of fine. And you've got a long list. And we know, as the people that are going to pitch, and you can comment, that commissioners sort of groan when they see that long list of ideas that are sort of quite difficult to turn down, but not really exciting enough to go ahead with. So for us, sorry, I was just no, going to say. Yeah, no, I was just saying. I think it's lazy ideas, isn't yeah. it? I think that that's what you kind of go. It's like, what is the unique point of this idea? What is the number one headline of this idea that you get excited about and that you can see yourself selling in a room that makes that will make someone sit up and say, oh, that's a really interesting take on that. That feels really counterintuitive, really funny, something, but something that makes it, in TV world, terrible word, noisy. And if there were individuals here who aren't attached to production companies, do you take ideas from individuals? Can people pitch to you? We're always open to it to hearing ideas. Yes. And how should people pitch to you? How should they get in touch? And what are you uh, looking for? They can email me direct. Um, what am I looking for? I'm looking for big, as I said, provocative, noisy, factual ideas um, that feel slightly different or that have a point of view or have a reason. And if you ask yourself the question, why this idea now? What is it about right now, like Dom just said about tattoos where on every high street, what is it about the zeitgeist right now that makes this idea feel like it should be commissioned now? And Sean, when you've had an idea, how do you get it ready? How do you mangle it around in the team to, to know it's ready to go to a commissioner? So we will, well, you know, uh, um, same as uh, Claudia, we will uh, you know, work to briefs and we will know that we've got a pitch in sort of two to three weeks and we will... Yeah, we will brainstorm that idea there. So, you know, when you have that idea, it's definitely not going to complete. You need to sort of work it up and you need to ask those questions about it, you know, really interrogate it. And actually, I think the useful thing about being idea-led is the, is the fact that actually that idea can then change into something completely different by the time you pitch it. Um, and then we will normally talk to the MDs about it um, and work it up. And we will... We, before the first pitch, you actually you will do quite a bit of work, but you just want to make that top line as robust as possible and make sure you've got the answers to the questions that, that you sort of can anticipate they're going to answer. But I think it's, you know, you want to go in with three really strong top lines, just making sure they are as robust as possible. Can you, just in case people don't know what a top line is, can you explain what that might be and some of the top lines you've used for shows you've pitched? Oh, God. So, top line would be, you know, um, 15 questions to a million pounds. So, you know, who wants to be a millionaire? And sort of like, you know, really, most of your show should be able to be struck down to that sort of one sentence, really. Um, and for, um, I mean, for something like Parenting for Idiots, it was kind of, you know, celebrities being honest, truthful, and funny about parenting. Um, or something like Carjackers was a friend stealing their friend's car and fucking it up, I suppose. It's sort of, you know, yeah. it's sort of like, you, you can get that idea straight away, and if you can set, that, that's the first thing you need to say in a pitch, and if the commissioner goes, yeah, that's quite good. I mean, sometimes you'll do that thing where you sort of talk around the area before you get to that top line, and it's sort of like, some, actually, sometimes you do that, and you sort of realise, oh, God, I'm talking for a long time before I've got to this idea, because I feel like it needs ballast, it needs kind of... It's just to chip in, because Parenting for Idiots is a show that... I commissioned from an electric race. And the other thing you need is a bit of sort of serendipity, which is in the channel, we were talking about parenting and, um, and how it's a, it's, it's a um, helicopter parenting is a big thing and uh, are we wrapping our kids in cotton wool? And we sort of got to the point of thinking, well, we're all just doing our best, you know, to raise kids and no one really tells you how to do it. But we couldn't find a way into it that didn't feel worthy and a bit kind of sort of up it's all finger waggy isn't yeah. it yeah and then and then these guys came in with parenting for idiots which was basically 
saying, putting your hand in the air, saying, none of us know what we're doing, and we're going to get a whole load of celebrities who are willing just to put, go on record and talk about how hopeless they are. And so <laughs> it was kind of obvious to us that we, can't, we were battling with that for ages, but we couldn't find a way to do it, and these guys had a way to do it. So you sort of need a bit of tension from both sides sometimes, mm, and that, that, it just worked out in that, in that case. And Claudia, what sort of people do you look for to work in development? What qualities do you need to be a brilliant development researcher? So you have to be full of ideas and uh, you have to be resilient and have enough self-confidence to realise if your idea doesn't fly or someone doesn't like your idea, no ideas are bad ideas, it just might not be the right thing at, the, at, the, at that time. But you need to constantly be thinking, oh, wouldn't that be interesting if we did it that way? Oh, I read this really interesting article, and wouldn't it be interesting if we took this person and did that? So you need to be constantly thinking in that way. And the other thing is, once you start on a development team, it's, it's really important that you know how to write up your idea into a way that feels sellable and feels attractive. In our team, we say that an idea needs to feel really mouth-watering in order to get it across to a commissioner. So you need to be able to... Um, write up your idea into a short treatment, a short couple of pages that, just like you understand what the idea is when you're verbally selling it in the top line, that by the time you're halfway down the first page of that treatment, you absolutely understand what that idea is about. And Emma and Dom, how do you like to work with production companies when they come in with a top line or a paragraph? How do you like to work with them to develop that idea up with them? I mean, I I think that when I first started in commissioning, I was thought commissioning was really easy, that you went, I'm going to have that idea, that idea, that idea, that idea. And what I think is it, people don't understand who work in production is actually you generate a lot of the ideas yourself. So every couple of months we do brainstorms and come up with the ideas because obviously we know the channel more than, you know, better than anybody would know the channel. Um, and I think that... Uh, so it sort of becomes a sort of a bit a very two-way thing. It's very, very unusual. I mean, I think probably twice in my career I've had a, an idea that's gone, oh, and I've gone, oh, I'll have that. Most of them are a conversation that there's either a territory that you think, you know, I agree there's no such thing as a bad idea, but just bad timing, maybe bad positioning. Um, I think that there are good, you know, I think working together with a producer that you get on with you know, a bit like you were talking about parenting, parenting with idiots, and you kind of think, oh, you know, let's try and mould the show. So basically, I commission a pair of trousers, you know, and I don't, when I get to the edit, get a skirt, you know, so which happens, you know, um, which I think people are really surprised about the conversation. And I think the one thing we've not talked about here is the viewer, and that's the most important thing that you have to think about when you're thinking about your ideas. You might want to go off and make this fabulous unreported world about blah, 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 but what relevance has it got to, you know, the person at home? Because actually we're trying to go into people's sitting rooms or on their computers or whatever way they're watching telly. And, um, you know, that's the commissioner's job to do that. But I think as a producer or a development person, you've got to think, why would I watch it? Why would I watch it on that particular channel? Um, you know, and when would I watch it? And it's, it's, it's those kind of things you've really got to sort of work with the producer on. And Don, Claudia's talked about pitching stuff that channels want. Mm. How do people in the room find out what you want and what you're looking for? Um, well, we... Uh, there's, there's a conventional way, which is on our uh, website. We have a, every genre uh, has the, the broad areas in which they're interested in. Um, we do um, fairly regular um, briefing sessions. Um, but, then, but I think bigger than that, though, is, and I think this is the, sort of the job of the indie community as much as ours, is we want relevant stuff. So, you know, it's kind of, it's, the, it's what the world is talking about that is of interest to us. You know, I think we're looking at loads of ideas at the moment around sort of post-truth and fake news, and that's because... That's the world we currently live in, and there'll be programs in, in, in that sort of territory because it's, because it's completely irrelevant. I think that the bit, just in terms of how people pitch, that where I think people get, get confused between top lines is a top line isn't just pitching a genre. So coming in and saying, I've got this idea, it's, um, it's like post-truth. That's not an idea, that's just a 
Yeah, it's a notion. <laughs> and I think that's what, uh, what you really need to say to someone. That, okay, so that's, that's great. That's the notion that we're all battling with. What's the idea? Which still, to Sean's point, probably should only be a sentence. But what's the idea? And the other thing, of course, just, just from a Channel 4 perspective, and I'm sure every channel would say this, but I think we feel it acutely, is we want to feel like we're doing um, uh, unusual, risky things. We, we like the idea that people will hear the top line and think, what the fuck is Channel 4 doing now? Yeah. No, and and, the, and now the, the, the key thing to that, though, is that we have to be confident that what we're doing ultimately is redemptive. Yeah. So, and this is the other mistake that people make, is we can do outrageous things, um, and we can do provocative things, but just pitching something offensive doesn't work. <laughs> mm. And I know, I mean, it sounds obvious, but, but it's really easy to come up with an offensive idea. I'll learn that the hard way. We'll, we'll probably still let <laughs> you on the front page of the Daily <laughs> Mail, but we can't commission that, because actually what we really want to do is we want to be provocative in a way that means we're, we're provoking conversation. And so ultimately, we have to think very, very carefully about where we make those calls. And would you, um, could people here pitch directly to you, or do you want them to go via independent production companies? I think, I, I mean, I don't know what, what Emma's view on this. I, I whether it's any good or not. If it's any good, <laughs> yes. If it's not, no. I, I, would, I, would, I think you, you are way better off if you can align yourself to um, a production company. Because as one individual, and if you think about the, just, the, just the sheer volume of ideas that come through our, you know, mm -hmm. through our inboxes every single day of, of every week, um, it gives you a degree of, it gives us a degree of confidence that an indie has belief in the idea. So it's, so, so it's all incrementally more helpful than just receiving hundreds and hundreds of, of unsolicited emails. But the other, I mean, the other think, thing is, yeah. is sort of like, the truth is that you're not going to sign overnight a you know, two million pound idea to yeah. someone who's not made a TV show, but it's, yeah, you know, it's yeah. kind of, you know, you sort of like, because that's, the, that's the, hard, the hard thing about development, it's kind of like, also who's in the room with you as mm. well, and kind of like, do you trust those people, you know, people sell to people, you don't just buy that idea, you buy the production company who's going to make that idea, you know, a, a production company who's not done that much stuff is going to struggle to sell an idea because you sort of just go, can they make this? Mm. You know, and I've worked for far smaller uh, production companies where we have struggled to do that because you're sort of like, and then you go to a production company that's got really great strong MDs and all of a sudden the, the, the mood in the room changes and it's about, you know, 50% that idea and 50% these guys can definitely deliver this. And I'm sure people here would think, if I've got an idea and I come to you, how do I protect myself and how do I protect the IP and make sure I don't get ripped off by someone who makes George Galloway pretend to be a cat? Um, well, I mean, I think, God, I don't know, how do you do I, it? I, I don't know, I mean, I, I get slightly annoyed about that because I do think that people are slightly naive about what an idea is and what, okay, there are some really unique things, but every single idea has had a genesis at some point. It might just be a new twist and the timing might be right. So I think you need to be sort of um, not be precious about it. I mean, obviously you're bringing a piece of talent or access to a thing that actually there's no way in a month of Sundays. I mean, we've just had like Rich House, Paul House on. Really successful show for us, you know. I'm not saying that's a really original idea. You know, the shadow of Wife Swap bloomed large, but you go, now the timing's right. Rich and Paul, the big gap, let's do it in a very redemptive, joyful way. Um, so I think, you know, you've got to be careful about being too precious about your idea because you can sit in your bedroom and, you know, fantasize about it, but until you start sharing, talking about it with a, a production company that you... I think it's about trust and relationships, that someone's not going to shaft you. I think that's a very good point you make, yeah. though, is that you do have to share things in order yeah. for it to get anywhere. And I think it's completely understandable that people think they've got the next big idea, and then they won't tell you about it. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, well, it's not going to happen. But so you have to... You just yeah. have to... Do you know well, the they truth say is, sign a non-declarative you, you, you have to find someone that you trust, and yeah. I think it, that's what it comes down to. And once you've established that relationship, then I think that makes a lot of difference. And then but, hopefully you'll be involved in that development process if that conversation goes well, particularly if you bring some piece of access or some kind of a, a, exclusive to it. But it's not in any production company's interest, really, to go nicking other people's ideas, because those ideas will soon dry out. And, the, and I think the chance, it, in being completely honest, the chances of that idea, your first early ideas making it onto screen, are so slim. We used to, <coughs> actually, on the intern scheme at Endemol, we used to have 2,000 applicants, and we asked them for four ideas each. 
That's a lot of ideas. Mm. I'm not going to do the maths. Yeah. 8,000 yeah. ideas. Yeah. Um, but a lot. <laughs> uh, so, you know, each year there's 8,000 ideas coming through. None of them ever made it onto the screen. It, uh, you know, uh, because obviously we would pick the best interns and they would get onto the show. So their ideas, you know, we could develop stuff. They might have turned into something of genesis or something else, but mm. so, so unlikely that that idea is going to be the one that sort of, you know, gets away. You're going to. That's going to be the entry point to get in and get better and get to the point where actually... Because I think that's the hard thing. Even at the start of your career, even getting a commission out of the door is incredibly hard, incredibly I think. Incredibly hard. Even not at the start of your career. No, yeah. 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 You'll have it's so many ideas hard. that sort of like that just stay in the building and kind of like, you know, which I think kind of like, which is the process is so long and you have to celebrate every time, don't you? Sort of like, certainly when you're a researcher AP, if you're getting ideas on the list of three or four ideas that are going out, that is a, a great moment. Yeah. So Emma, talk us through one idea that did get through the door. GP behind, GP well, behind. That's a bit boring, isn't it, that one now? No, kind come of, on. Sort of, um, kind of what, so when what people happened, come to you, what they'd sell. So when I first went to Channel 5 uh, with my boss, Ben, uh, we were looking at the, and it's something I tried to do when I was at Channel 4, just doing it, it was based on a, this is about the thing, there's been no, no such thing as a new idea. There's been a, uh, a one-off dock years and years ago on Channel 4, which was basically an access dock at uh, GPs. And we'd always thought, God, let's go back into that. We tried to do it. Then I left and they turned it into Embarrassing Bodies, which was an amazing, you know, we couldn't get access. So clever Colette said, let's make our own, you know, doctor surgery. And then they, they you know, that whole franchise um, sort of shone and then burnt out. And... So by the time I came, it was like, let's just, should we just go back and just see if we can get access? You know, it's a different world 10 years later. And um, I had a couple of companies who were very well-known, big grown-up companies to say, look, if you can get a nose in the door, I'll commission it. And then um, this chap from a company who'd never really done much factual, done a bit of pineapple dance studio, sort of in pitching a load of nonsense um, <laughs> and then just sort of did the Columbo leave the room and went, oh, you wouldn't be interested in a GP surgery, would you? And I've got three. Do you want to have a look at the tape? And, you know, pitched us this tape, um, which, like, Ben went, oh, yeah. Are you sure he's not going to run off with the money? Your point of can you really commission somebody who you don't know, you've never met before, but you've thought, I like them, they've got good energy. Um, and uh, so we did, we commissioned six. They didn't work brilliantly, but they were pretty good. And then we kind of thought, no, we love that, let's commission a few more. And now it's our biggest, it's about 50 acts a year we do now. It's like our soap opera, you know, and it doesn't, and it, for me at, on Channel 5, it's perfect because it absolutely hits that sweet spot of ratings week in, week out. It doesn't matter what. Um, is on the other side, you know, it's always getting its million or so viewers, you know, on, you know, when we've got Titanic, you know, whatever on uh, ITV, sometimes it might get one and a half, but um, it, you should know. We have a, should we have a look at yeah. that tape? And this actually was shot, this is the original tape, and I wouldn't expect anyone really to do this, but basically an AP had been ringing up surgeries, said, oh, and they went down for a day and filmed this and did two days in the edit. How are you doing? Um, okay, thank you. Yes. Hi. Hi, Flora. Do you want to have a seat? How can I help you today? I rang up to get the results and they said that you need to talk to me. Yeah. Oh, oh sorry. That one. I this lady. Will we be in trouble if that kidney shows up and dies and becomes necrotic and then she gets septic? Seven-day-old baby with look, looks like an umbilical granuloma. Mm -hmm. Would you like to pop across to my room and bring your paediatric stuff straight with you? Nothing's working to clear it up. Okay. Because I'm seven weeks pregnant. They are addictive. You won't hurt it, do you? Come on. Yeah, Through the magic of Google Translator, um, we're now able to sort that problem out. I'm just being politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. It's a hazard of it being November, I'm afraid. 
there's a day when somebody will come in and give you a box of chocolates to say thank you. And on that same day, you'll get someone telling you you're the worst receptionist ever. Don't worry. It's definitely ain't that. I'm having a heart attack. No, there's a tiny, tiny little bit of blood in it. Well, she was enjoying that, wasn't she? And uh, <laughs> I mean, that was a four-minute tape that they just done that did the uh, minute of. But I think what what obviously we've all sat there. We all know the premise of a GP surgery. We've all done that. Oh, she's a time waster. Oh, I wonder what's the matter with him. And um, and so it just you know that tape just you've got it all in a very very um, simple you know short period of time. And moving on to something quite different, Dawn, talk us through how Hunted was born and how the team came and pitched Hunted to you. Yeah, so I've chosen Hunted as, the, as my example of, of a sort of a, a successful pitch um, and commission, um, partly because it sort of demonstrates all the, all the things that, that, the way that things work best, really, which is almost, in my experience, nothing that's sort of over two pages of a treatment really gets commissioned. You know, you, you, if you need more than two pages, then, then you're, you're already so overcomplicated that it's quite hard to get it, you know, get it across the line. Um, Hunted was, was a great example, which was uh, in a meeting with Shine, um, it was just a question. And they said, well, we've been thinking about this. And this was this is all related, and this is the sort of the serendipity. This is related to the time of the Snoopers Charter and worry about WikiLeaks and, and um, our mobile phones, you know, sort of our iPhones tracking everywhere we go. And so there was sort of that period where people started to get a bit suspicious of things. And, um, and the team at Schneider said, we've been thinking, if you had to just disappear tomorrow, just, just go off the grid for a month, and we sent a bunch of specialists after you, you know, special forces after you, how long do you think you could survive? And they just posed that question. And then we spent the entire rest of the meeting discussing where we would go, would you chuck your phone in the Thames, would you keep it, would you keep it switched off, would you, would you try and see your family? Uh, would, you, would you miss your family? Would you hide in a ditch? Would you, you know, it's sort of all the things that we would all just discuss. What, 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 are the, you know, what are the crazy things we would do to avoid capture? And by the end of that meeting, without any kind of treatment, in my mind, I was thinking, this is, a, this is definitely a show that we should do. You know, up until that point, it hadn't required anything on paper. From that point, it then goes into um, funded development. And that's the point where you realize that the simplest ideas are usually the most complex to execute. And that, I have to say, of all the, all the shows I've probably ever made, is the most complicated show I've ever done. Because you, I mean, it's kind of obvious. You know, we're, we're, we've got 10 people, and we're just sending them off. And we're trying to, not only, not only we're trying to um, cover it for TV, we've got two different groups of people, the hunters and the fugitives, um, who effectively play into their own rules. So, so that was sort of a classic example of, the, the sentiment was, was so strong, and the timing was just right, we knew we had to do it. Um, and the brilliant thing, which again, I like to think it's a very Channel 4 way of doing things, is, is you know, at the point of pretty much green lighting it, or pretty, or at the point of filming it, we didn't 100% know that was going to work. Well, we could have caught everybody in day one, mm. and it's like, that's, that's a pretty yeah. short series. Um, and of course, all the, everything's committed at that point, because you're committed to a, a month's worth of filming. So we went into that knowing, like, you manage risk, We'd done everything we could to make it work. We'd done dummy runs and test runs, and we'd cast it properly. But even, even during that filming period, we were like, this just might not work. And that's a really exciting thing to do. So shall we have a look at the first piece of tape that shines? Yeah, so this came, so they pitched the idea. We'd given them some proper developments. They'd sort of scoped <laughs> it out. And then they did a sort of a casting and a style tape, which was to give us all a sense of what the, what the show's going to look like. Society today is an intelligence officer's dream. My government intends to allow intelligence agencies to access vital communications data. I don't like it, and I don't like the feeling of being watched the whole time. It doesn't matter where you go, you're under surveillance the whole time. Everything you do, everywhere you go, everything you say, everything you read, is captured somehow. The authorities can see and reconstruct texts. I know they can see all email, I know they can see everything we look at on the web. 
am I clever enough to do it? Do people think just because I sit in an office in Leeds selling car insurance that I won't be able to do something like this? So I don't think any of those uh, contributors ended up making the final series, but that was the beginning of the of the journey into kind of into finding both the hunters and the contributors, and getting a sense of of what the show uh, was going to be. So Sean, in factual and fact tent, people come with a paragraph and a top line and a written pitch of a page or so, and maybe a taster or a sizzle. Yeah. Sometimes in entertainment and game shows, it can be slightly different. How do you tend to pitch? Yeah, I mean, for um, certainly for something like a quiz show, is you can go in and you can talk through pointless from beginning to end, and it sounds like the most dreary, drab thing <laughs> in the world. Quizzes do not come alive at a pitch. For, for a quiz, you have to do um, you have to do a, a run through for the commissioner, and the the work that goes into something like pointless before it gets to a run through for the commissioner, and even after before it gets to the series, is immense. You're doing you might be doing two or three run-throughs a week for six weeks until you get the show right. The you know, quiz is incredibly hard. Um, but for entertainment stuff, kind of um, you know, a, a singing show or whatever, you can still um, you can still have a tape in the top line. We're doing something at the moment for BBC, which had uh, yeah, it was just a tape in the top line. So because actually entertainment more than that is still has changed, I think. Entertainment still needs that why the factual stuff does, because you can't just go anymore, kind of like, well, it'd be funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, you, still need, it's, you still need that why, so you still need a bit of sort of like serendipity and journalism and actually sort of like, why are we doing this now, rather, why, why didn't we do this 10 years ago? And talk us through the almost impossible game show. Uh, this hasn't got a why. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is about sort of because. four years ago, I think. Um, but uh, the, 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 the reason I'm showing this clip is we did the Almost Possible Game Show. Initially, we did it for um, Comedy Central, <coughs> the pilot. Um, and we got, as developers, certainly game show sort of developers, you can get really in love with mechanics and things like this. And we came up with a show which was kind of, we thought about Wipeout, and the best bit of Wipeout is the balls. And actually, the other stuff is okay around it, but everyone sort of like loves that bit. What if we just created a game show that had you know, loads of those great little bits, and you had to see what if one person had to do the balls again and again and again until they completed it. And we got really excited about this and sort of like, oh, that's a you know, really good... Because you create a sort of clip show, game show then. And, you know, we were really excited, and we found this one clip of an example game, um, which we'll show you now, and all the commissioner cared about was the clip. It's sort of like, he'd forgotten the format by the time we'd left the room. He just kind of, every time we went back to him, he just basically said, oh, can you just send me that clip again? <laughs> and it just got commissioned, basically, <laughs> off this clip. Um, but I should explain just quickly, this guy is basically trying to count to ten to jump over a stick that's going to hit him in the shins in the pitch black. <laughs> he's, I think he's Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> is that relevant? <laughs> oh, oh, herregud. En, två, tre, fyra, fem, sex, sju, åtta, nio, tio. Ah! Satan var nära. Sex, sju, åtta, nio, tio. Ah! Satan i helvete! Ah! Jag är så nära. Åtta, nio, tio. Aj! Åh, vad nära. Aj, aj, satans helvete. Nio, tio. Jag är så nära. Åtta, nio, tio. Ja! Ja! Åh, åh, åh. Åh, vad <laughs> You'd be like cheering for him. <laughs> it's funnier because it's Norwegian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, but generally that was one of the questions that they asked at Comedy Central. They were like, but is this going to be funny if it's not a Norwegian? Should we get loads of Norwegians to do it? And it's, just, it's questions that people ask, but kind of, I think at the time we were kind of doing, it shows that you could do a haunted tape like that, which is more elaborate and casting and all those sort of things. Or if you can, that's a clip from another TV show, actually. Um, a, a Norwegian one, I need to repeat that. Um, but that, you know, it shows you that actually y you can just have a simple thing that you take in and mm. you know, they didn't care about any of our brilliant formatting or any of that. They were just kind of like, they just showed that clip around the whole thing and they got commissioned off the back of that. 
Brilliant. And Claudia, just talk us through City in the Skies now and how you got that commissioned and the tape you took in for that. So I was talking before about when you think about ideas, how you should think what the purpose and the why now is of them. Alongside that, I think another really interesting way into ideas is what are the things that happen every day that we take for granted that actually might have amazing stories or amazing processes and logistics behind them. And one of the things that obviously happens all the time is that you get on a plane. And we thought in our development team, well, actually, we don't really think about when we, stand, when we get on a plane, wherever we're going on holiday or for work, we don't think about the amazing engineering and, and logistics that go behind that. Can we make a show about that? So although we had the top line for that, we felt that when we took it into the room, actually a tape that showed the scale and the really extraordinary statistics behind an everyday process would help the pitch. So we made this tape. All of that stuff is taken from YouTube and from other shows. So you don't have to spend lots of money to make what looks like a really glossy tape. But often we want to help the commissioners to imagine the series. Where, where. But there is a curse of YouTube, I have to say. It's my I think I mean, that was a brilliant tape, absolutely, no doubt. And I've commissioned that apart from the title, like we said yeah, before. Yeah, really bad. Um, uh, but I think a great idea, and that's, uh, and that is pretty close on to what the show delivers, yeah. isn't it? Um, but we, I don't know whether you get it, but I get so many montages, music <coughs> montages from YouTube, of people going, oh, I've done you a really great little tape. And they are, if you're, I've got one from a really big, very established company that should know a lot better called Zoo Babies. And I mean, I would never commission a show about Zoo Babies, but basically I was then given this, no, but you've got to see this, got to see this, cut to Baby I Love You. Um, pictures of little <laughs> monkeys and little ants. It's like as though I don't know what they look like. So you go, right, okay, I'm not, I can't be rude because this is a really grown up, you know, multimillionaire producer type. Um, can't be rude. So, oh, okay, so what's the programme idea? Well, yeah, well, we've got access to a zoo. Okay, well, what zoo is it? Oh, well, I can't quite remember the zoo. Oh, so how many babies are born in that zoo? You know, what's interesting about it? I mean, it just collapsed, and you sort of go, oh, please. Yeah, you know? So it is a real. You can't use a tape warning. to paper over the fact that no. it's not really an no idea. idea. There. I, would, yeah. I would say, actually, yeah. that I, I'm not that fussed about the taste of tapes. 
uh, in terms of like, the, I don't think that's what gets the idea commissioned. I think there's, there's an exception to that, is when you've got um, incredible talent. And I think yeah. if you've got amazing talent or amazing access, because uh, the first thing I will say to someone is, well, have you really? And then you, then you mm. say, well, here's the tape, and you go, well, you really have got incredible mm. access. Otherwise, it, does, it doesn't really do anything to me. Just showing a montage of other people's clips off YouTube, mm. which everyone else has used, by the way, anyway, is a, I, don't know, I don't know if it's a good use of people's resources on the whole. So this we did only once we'd got interest from the commissioners yeah. it's and they said we want to see something. Selling. It's good, yeah, it's, it's selling into the challenge. Well, I think the great thing about that tape is, it's quite a big concept, this, and what you're putting into that tape is, there's loads of telly in this. There's loads, there's so many stuff that we can look at and talk about and find out about that's going to surprise viewers. And I think that's what a lot of people don't do on their ideas. It's a really good thing to do, sort of like, but what is the telly here? What are we mm. actually going to see? And sit down with your idea and sort of just map it out in your head. What, what, uh, what's that half hour going to look like? And if you can't fill that half hour or, or hour in your head, of sort of like, right, oh, I've got all this brilliant stuff in, there's not really much to it, I don't think. Brilliant. We're going to come to you for questions now. So if you've got a question, can you put your hand up? And can you wait till the mic gets to you because we're recording for podcast? Should we take one right at the back? Next to you. Yep. Hi. Um, I'm looking for a bit of advice. I've got a comedy sketch which has had 17 million views on YouTube. Uh, it's called The Expert. Kind of an off, uh, office meets IT crowd sort of thing. Um, I was just wondering, just because I know how to do a sketch, but then, like, and I believe that there's a demand for it because of the 17 million views, and just wondering, how would you suggest I go about developing it into a TV series? Who wants to take that first? I mean, I'll start with, I mean, I don't do anything, don't, don't anything about comedy. I haven't got a sense of humor or anything like that. But I think what you do is you, you look at a television production. This is what I'd say to anybody, really. It's like you look at a company that is making the kind of program that you like, that you could see your program or your ideas, and you target them. I think that, you know, and then you've got somebody to have a conversation with. Because I suspect going to a comedy commissioner and going, I've got this YouTube thing, you need, you need a lot of producing and help to bring, a, a, you know, even if it's got 17 million views to a television audience. So I think it's find a, find a production company and a writer and, you know, developer. And Dom, you're obviously not in comedy, but Channel 4 does comedy really well. Yeah, yeah a bit of comedy. Uh, yeah, um, I, yeah, I mean, it's sort of the Smile. same thing, really. Is, it, is my sense would be, uh, if if you've got 17 million views and it's and it's and it's funny and it's really good, then there'll be an indie that might bite your arm off to work with you. And actually, if you can create a a, a relationship where it's balanced, because you bring something new and some talent to the indie, um, they think they can they can work with you to get a hit show. Um, the door will open to a comedy commissioner. I think it's, it's, it's not impossible, but it's much, much harder doing that on your own. I think there's also a feeling at the moment that because sketches do very, very, very well on, online that they don't have to make them on television. So it might also be looking at shows like Last Leg or The Nightly Show where you might be able to insert sketches. But at the moment, a lot of the channels aren't wanting sketch shows because they do so well online so that that's where they think they sit but it's it's as emma says tracking down those companies that make the sort of shows that you watch yeah is that was there a question here just here hi thanks it's very informative um I'm an academic and a historian, and I'm wondering whether you work with academic and historians, because I know that, uh, particularly the BBC, we're always saying, we want original material, we want original tapes, we need original research, which, you know, we, is what we provide. Um, and very often, um, I, I, as a historian, I don't want to dress up in bonnets and shawls. What I want to do is see um, some really good shit hot ideas on telly, and I'm not seeing that in history. Um, and I'm wondering whether you know, there's a way that you could walk, work forward or look forward to working um, a bit more with um, historians and academics? We talk often to academics, to scientists and to historians. We're always interested in hearing their takes. We, the challenge that we often find with experts is that although they may be very passionate about their idea, they find it difficult to see how it could be a t it could be made into a TV proposition. That's our job too, but 
often it's difficult to take ideas that are purely academic and try and turn it into a TV thing. But saying that, we're always open to having those conversations because you're absolutely right that part of the freshest type of ideas that we get, particularly in science and specialist factual, comes from original research. So we're always open to, that, to those conversations. But we have to remember that we, it's all about the audience. However clever the ideas are, however forward-thinking they are, they need to bring an audience. And that's something that is our job as, as developers to do, but also interesting for you to think about in why would people watch this if it wasn't their area of specialism. But I think, and that's why you end up with shows like Back in Time for Dinner and things like that, because people aren't going to go to, people, a lot of, a broad audience aren't going to go to a history show, but they'll go to a show with a modern family having to deal with the problems of history. So it's history by the back door, and I think that's why you end up with shows like that, really. Okay. Are well, there any other questions? Should we go just in the middle here? Thank you. Uh, hello. Um, so I'm going to be like finishing uni in like a couple of weeks. Um, and I kind of have ideas of what I want to do. I quite like to go and sort of documentary making. Um, but I, can't, I need to get from A to D, but I have no idea what B and C are, if you know what I mean. Like, so I guess what I'm asking is, like, so what's a good entry point for somebody who's like fresh out of education, doesn't really know loads and loads about the industry, but trying to pick it up? Like, how, how did you guys start? How did you enter? Like, what, did you start at the bottom, like, running for people? Yeah, I think it's actually a lot harder now than it used to be because budgets have been slashed in development teams and you know across telly and like I say used to do the intern scheme at Endemol and that's sort of I think that's winding down now they used to have loads of those schemes where you would be able to apply and they you know they'd, they'd have an intake of sort of five or six people and that's how you'd start so I think it is going it is a lot tougher for you at the moment but I think it's getting in touch with the you know most decent sized companies have a have a talent person um, looking for new talent and it's about, I mean, you, you have to sort of, the hard thing I could think of coming out of a media degree is that thing that you're sort of like, hang on, I've, I've just made an hour's film, and I, you know, I can shoot and all that stuff like that, and you have to sort of like bite the bullet a little bit and kind of, you know, start running and logging and all those things. But it's about whilst you're doing that, kind of, you know, looking to where you can impress people and kind of like, what's the, you know, we were talking about it before, weren't we? Kind of like, what's the extra bit you can do? I think. You want people who are mad keen and kind of like the people that you remember, you know, you'll have a, you'll have a production, you have six or seven runners on there, you know, everyone's making tea and doing all the jobs, but the person who does that extra thing you weren't expecting is kind of the person that you then get back for the next one and then they become a researcher. So it's sort of, you know, you have to start at that sort of lower level and then prove yourself and just be, oh, just remember how keen I was when I first started. You just you need like to stick your send, neck out. You need to find out all the companies that have got work experience schemes or junior intern schemes apply to all of those companies, apply to hundreds of companies, keep applying. When they say no, apply again. I remember that I had a rejection folder, just suicidally <laughs> thick, and I just kept going, and that's what you have to do. You have to keep going. And once you're in, as Sean says, you have to make yourself indispensable. It doesn't matter if you're an edit assistant or a runner, whatever it is that you are, the, the area that you want to work in, if you want to come and work in development, you need to be sending ideas and talking to the development team all the time. You have to be uber, uber, uber hungry because everyone else is hungry. So you have to do the most that you possibly can. And learning rejection early on yeah. is such a good basis for, uh, for a life Pitching development ideas. as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, if you yeah. don't work with him, he hits you with a stick. Yeah. But I think the other thing is, is watching loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of Terry across every channel, across every genre, because I think people who come to work in telly, the one thing they've forgotten is to watch it, understand it, enjoy it. And so have a view on it as well. Like, why do you like this pro programme? Why is this programme good? Why do you think no one watched this programme? Have a view on things, have an opinion. And understand where some of those gaps are. You won't get a job as a PD, but there's jobs as PMAs, production coordinators, the jobs that aren't quite as sexy, and there are, there's still a shortage of people going into those. So look at some of those other jobs that, that you might be able to get in. One question here. Um, I want to ask quite a specific question about taster tapes. So what's the legality behind it? Is it because they're all confidential, you can get access to, say, the GP surgery and you don't have to do release forms for all of the people who came in? Or it, you can rip stuff on YouTube? Is, is that all legal? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's your audience, isn't it? I mean, you're only, it's only for private consumption. Um, 
I don't know. Too. It's oh, fine no. as long as you're not fine. broadcasting. Yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah. maybe they did do taste, to t maybe they did GPs kind of like confidentially, this is only for internal use, you know, to be shown to, it will never be on the telly. Probably that. But also, when we wouldn't be allowed to broadcast any of that yeah. stuff anyway, so, so it would never see the light of day because the yeah. quite rigorous procedures to get anything like that on air. So, um, I mean, I think you can, as Emma said, you're only showing it to a very few number of people so I think you can pretty much yeah. go for it what you like. Go what you want. Go for it but be honest where it's from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's it. Yeah. Two more uh, questions. One one at the back. Oh hello. Oh I've sort of got two slightly different questions. Um, so the first one is so um, lots of TV companies they, they say they don't accept unsolicited ideas so I'm guessing that means that you'd want them to work for you beforehand but if you had a, an idea and you'd made a taster tape or something and then you wanted to show it to them does it then become that company's idea? Um, and second of all, for young people, yeah, again, like that guy said, um, wanting to get into the industry, um, because you said, Sean, that like 2,000 ideas get pitched and then none of them get commissioned, what, what are the qualities you're looking for then in a young person if it's not necessarily that that idea has to be the one that gets made? You know, what is it specifically about people that you, that you look for, like the skills and... It's just lots of ideas. You know, it's just millions of ideas and just, you know, understand and learn from them, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of... You want ideas monkeys, you know. And, and to be nimble, to be intellectually nimble. So, oh, that, okay, that's, I can see why that doesn't work. Well, what if we take a bit of that and a bit of that and put it there? Or, you know, that bit in the show, blah, blah. Well, that, I thought that was the best bit. What if we just took that bit out and turned it into another show? It's that kind of nimbleness of thinking that's really important. Well, also, I'm not trying to undermine, I'd say those ideas are worthless as well, because there's... The, the thing about it is it's sort of like, we can't know what you're like about ideas until you send ideas in. And even though those ideas aren't probably going to make it to telly, in the melee of all those ideas, you sort of go, that is, that is brilliantly mad, or that feels really different. Yeah, and that's what you're looking for, really, rather than kind of like, I don't know, um, who wants to be a millionaire underwater? You sort of just go, <laughs> probably not going to bother with that one. <laughs> you have that, um, but, kind of, you know, but you do just want that idea that stands out or feels different. And um, and what what was the other, about what are the other? How if you had an idea and you sort of develop, if you develop the idea quite far in you know made a little treatment for it, and then you wanted to pitch it to a company, do they then own that that yeah. idea, or, or how does it work with kind of you know? No, no, no. Intellectual property or whatever. No, it's, it's only when you're working for a company that they own the employee's IP. But if you send an idea in, an unsolicited idea, then we'd only start working with you on that idea when we got back and said, yes, we want to work with you on it, and there'd be a, 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 a development agreement put in place. All right, just have one more question. I think the other thing is resilience, is being able to cope with lots of rejection, lots of and, yeah. and bouncing back. And that's that's quite that's quite tough. Not but taking it, it personally. But having that moment when you do get something commissioned and your mum's about to watch it, that's what it's all for. Last question here. Hi, uh, my name is Miriam, and I'm sort of looking at this from post-production point of view. And just want to say to Claudia, never mind the YouTube segments because the musical shows got us all hooked. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering from all of you, like at development stage, obviously you think about your audience and what channel is going to go into. But do you ever have to worry about the actual budget? Do you think about, oh, this is a great idea, but it's going to take such a large scale? Or do you sort of pass it on to production? We definitely worry about the budget. We try not to let the budget be the first question that we ask when we come up with an idea. We try to not think about it deliberately at the beginning. But at some point, of course, we're going to need to think when we go and pitch it how much it's going to cost and whether it's feasible to do. So we definitely think about it, and we, it's not something that we just leave to production. It's also something that we'll need to go through the development process in order for the channels to commission it anyway. It, so it's not our first port of call, but it's absolutely something that you need to bear in mind well, during the development well, process. Also, I think they, there's always a way to make something. Mm. You know, you kind of look at, I mean... I mean, I look at my kids and how, you know, they can shoot brilliant sequences and they're really small and you kind of go, it, it's a different world order, this sort of uh, production. I think people who say, oh, we can't do it because we can't afford it, aren't thinking about the idea. There must be another way of doing it. And I think if you're, if you're 
thinking about budget when you're a researcher and yeah. AP, then development probably isn't for you because you should be, that's for us to yeah. worry about and you to be shielded from completely and you should be just be having the best ideas you can. And if you're sort of going, oh, actually, we, we can't do it, it on the moon because yeah. it'll cost a fortune. <laughs> that's the idea I want to hear. Oh, that's yeah. the idea that sort of like, also, I sort of like has no regard for it. I think it's, it's hard. You don't know what our appetite is for, for something like that. Yeah. Obviously, our tariffs range. Mm. So we have things that need to be cheaper to make it work and we have things that we can spend more money on and if it's the right thing we'll spend more money on it so in fact second guessing who's you know how much money people have got is sort of it, there's no need to do it because mm. the best ideas get made i i, I find mm. Agreed. brilliant that's fantastic can we all say thank you to emma dom Claudia, and <laughs>